Welcome back to Festival Radio. I'm Martin Bamford. I'm delighted to welcome Baroness Ros Altman. Uh, welcome, Ros. Thank you. Lovely to be here. And you are speaking at a Festival of Financial Planning. So tell us a bit about what you'll be sharing during your session. Well, my session will be about the issues that perhaps plague pensions ministers, what it's like to be a pensions minister, what you learn, how the government is going to perhaps address some of the challenges that we are facing, the barriers that we need to overcome to make policy work better. Uh, it, it will be a discussion as well, so there won't be just a presentation, but also an interactive discussion with Steve Webb, who w was the minister before me yes. and uh, knows a thing or two about pensions. So. so we're now just over two years on from pension freedoms. In your judgment, was it a success? Was it worth doing? Has it improved outcomes for consumers? I think pension freedoms are absolutely brilliant. I think for many people, they've been a huge success and far, far better for them than the previous regime, which forced most people to buy an annuity that they may not have wanted or needed. But there are plenty of challenges yet to help more people make the most of their pension savings. Mm. And one of the things that we have tried to do just last week in the House of Lords is require everybody who wants to take money out of their pension or transfer to another pension to automatically get the free guidance that the government has set up so they understand what the issues are, what the risks are, what they need to consider before they make what could be an irreversible transaction. And if it's the result of a scam, it could actually lead to them losing their whole pension. So we, we've got a guidance service. We need people to be directed straight there that itself is only a start. Most people probably would benefit from independent financial advice. Once they've had some guidance and know the questions to consider, they might want to work with an expert financial advisor to help them know the answers that are right for them as well. Now you mentioned pension scams a moment ago. Obviously, that's something as financial planners we're keen to see dealt with. And lots of us supported this petition calling for a pension cold calling ban. I understand that's currently going through the House of Lords and there's some amendments being suggested. So could you update us on where the pension cold calling ban is right now and what's likely to happen next? Well, two weeks ago, again, a cross-party group of us were working together and put down an amendment to force the government to introduce a ban on cold calling and put it into primary legislation. We had to do it in a very convoluted way because the government itself is not very keen on passing these laws. I don't know why. Um, but we put that to a vote and that passed. So that amendment is in the bill. Mm. We are hoping that the government will come forward with its own proposals when the bill goes on to the House of Commons next. But right now, in the bill, there is an amendment down which would mean that the new financial guidance body can or must tell the government that it needs to ban cold calling for pensions uh, if it believes that it's doing harm to consumers. And of course, we all know mm. it's doing terrible harm to many consumers. And it's not good enough just to ban the cold calling. What we also are uh, trying to introduce into the bill, and there was amendment down last week, it will come back again, I suspect, um, either in the Lords or the Commons next, which says not only should the FCA introduce a ban on cold calling, it should also ban any firms from using leads obtained from cold calls. Oh, and okay. that's the critical bit. Mm. You know, if, if you just ban the cold calling, it's not going to stop the cold calling. A lot of the 
companies are from overseas and it's very hard to catch them. All we've been doing so far is trying to catch people after they've been uh, defrauding yes, rather yeah. than trying to stop the scams in the first place. So what I think is the critical step, and we've got cross-party support across the House of Lords and the consumer groups and the industry as well, is to also say to the FCA that they must ban any company that they regulate from using a lead obtained by cold calling. And if a company has used the information obtained from an unsolicited approach, then that company will lose its license. Now, that is a much more effective way of protecting customers than just trying to say, well, the information commissioner's office is going to uh, try and catch someone who's defrauded you. Once, once you've been scammed, you're not going to get your money back. It may, at best, stop other people losing their money. But, you know, I think we have to get real. We have to get tough. We've banned cold calling for mortgages. We must do it for pensions because people are so at risk. And this is getting to be a bigger and bigger problem. Consumers need proper protection. Finally, then, can I ask you about state pensions? We've got a, a rather large and voracious group of 1950s-born women who feel unfairly treated by changes to the state pensions age. Where do you think that their demands are going? Do you think that that's something realistically that could get resolved by bringing forward back forward the state pension age for a group of people? The issue of the increasing state pension age for women is a real poison chalice for any pensions minister. I have consistently said, and I still believe, that it was wrong for the government to increase women's state pension age in 2011, a second time before the first increase had even gone through. Mm. I campaigned vigorously against it. I had my own petition at the time when I was Director General at Saga. But we didn't get enough support from the women affected because they didn't know what was going on. Now, the women now have found out what's going on. They have run a very impressive campaign. What I think is also wrong is that I discovered when I was pensions minister that not only did the government introduce the second increase in women's state pension age with very little notice for many of them. It wasn't the 10 years that the government said was only right and fair for public sector workers, for example. But the government itself, the, the Department for Work and Pensions, hadn't informed women properly about the first changes. Mm. So the 1995 changes, which were introduced more than 20 years ago, nobody bothered telling the women. What was even worse was that I saw letters written to millions of these particular women mm. informing them about their state pension rights in 2003, 2004, around there, which gave them an indication of what level of state pension they might be on track for, but didn't bother to tell them, even you know, in small letters, never mind giant red letters mm. at the top, but you know you're not going to get this pension when you're 60. It didn't mention it. It might have included a leaflet, but it didn't tell them to read the leaflet because their state pension was changing. Government websites were still saying that women's state pension age was 60, even in 2016. So this is a monumental failure of administering what you know is a, an understandable and not unjustifiable policy. Mm. What I think we need to do now is make sure that we do help those women that are genuinely facing hardship, and there are many of them, as a result of the fact that they're not going to get the state pension when they were expecting it and when they were led to believe they would get it. 
there are many women who are facing real problems because they were planning that they would get a state pension at 60. They'd, many of them have no other pension. You know, women are very much the poor relations in pensions. Mm -hmm. And they therefore have very little, if nothing, to live on. Some of them have retired. Some of them are too ill to work. Some of them are caring for loved ones who they can't leave. So at the moment, we have this group of women who feel, understandably, really wronged. And the government so far has refused to do anything. I am not in favour of this approach. What I was trying to do when I was minister was put in place a system that would help those in hardship. At the very least, then, you are doing something to help those who have been worst affected. Clearly, there are many women also who are quite happy to keep working and knew about the changes and haven't really been badly done by. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't help those who really do need the help. Ros, thank you very much for joining us. I hope your talk goes well as well. Thank and you, so do I. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for your time. Thank you.